Welcome to Arise Lunchtime Talks. For those who don't know us, Arise is an NGO who focuses on family strengthening, no matter how families are formed. Arise is made up of a multidisciplinary team who believe that through building resilience and being strength focused, we can improve the lives of children and families. To find out more, visit arisefamily.org. I'm Danielle Musaji. Everyone calls me Danny, and I am your host. So join me in this episode to find out how we, together, can help all families thrive. Good afternoon and welcome to 2022, a new season of Arise Lunchtime Talks. And I have with me in my office, the wonderful Alexa Russell Matthews. Good afternoon, Alexa. Hey, Danny, that feels very kind, considering it's the end of February and I feel like holidays are needed already. I don't know about anybody else, but this year feels like it, it kicked off. Yeah, well, I think it's been quite the change for Arise. I mean, mm. we've moved offices, we're changing a little bit on the way that we work. And so, yeah, very it's true. been very, very hectic start of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot right yes. now, but it's good. It's a good lot, but yes. it's a lot. Yes. Well, hopefully as we ease into the new way of being at Arise, we get more energized and ready to continue the good work that we're doing in family strengthening. Oh, totally. I think that's, I said it um, to someone the other day, what a gift it is to be able to come and sit and see significance, especially mm. as working moms and parents. Yes. Like to have, to find value in the work we do. Yeah. Which is so, so important. It's a gift and a privilege, yeah. actually. So this afternoon, we're talking about how do we love our neighbors, particularly living in a country where there is mass inequality. And we're just seeing that, particularly with COVID, mm. we're just seeing that grow and grow more. Um, but really what we want to talk about is how as parents, how as families, do we navigate that space with children? I mean, we just spoke about it, I think, yesterday about the more and more people that we're seeing begging on the streets, more and more informal settlements on the side of the road. And so unemployment is a real, real factor in, at the moment um, in South Africa. And we know that a lot of people are being retrenched. A lot of people, in our employment rate is skyrocketing um, and, and really is in our faces. How do we navigate? How do we love? We can't keep giving a five rand to every person no. who's asking. That's not really helpful. So how do we truly love people in in this country particularly when we're looking at inequality i think it's so tricky i was just thinking on my way to work this morning i was looking and noticing so many more cardboard boxes mm. underneath bushes underneath trees in fact there's one i drive past a government hospital and there's someone who lives behind a hedge right next to the government hospital and i remember thinking that I hate that this person lives there, but actually that's wisdom because if he needs a doctor they're right there so <laughs> it's like that's a good strategy yeah but at the same time, there's a part of me that we're in summer now in the midst of this crazy heat wave. So sleeping mm. outside for our kids would be a massive treat. Yeah. But for people who are doing it every day, it's just really hard. And I think that part of it is is compassionate empathy, but also what is a practical response? Mm. And for me, it's how do, as a person, as Alexa, how am I doing that? But also how am I doing that so my children are growing up with a social conscience? Mm. 
and I think it's the it's that tension of having to navigate that and not just turn our heads and look the other way because if we don't start out of relationship forming relationships with people and homeless people are our neighbors yeah they really are our neighbors people often you know we want to move them through on the neighborhood watch groups and Mm. whatsapp groups and all of these things but sometimes our homeless neighbors are the people that are actually our biggest security watchmen because they know who should be and shouldn't and they don't want to be kicked out of the area because this is their area yes and at the same time they know who the skumbengas are that are moving through the areas and so how do we hold that tension and navigate that and the only way i can think is through relationship to be quite honest yeah i mean i think one of it just to go on your point is one we need to be really self-aware of the inequality because I think particularly in Cape Town where we are based it is very easy to be in our bubbles right so you know from landing for example in the airport in Cape Town it's in your face you know poverty is in your face but unless you only look at the mountain yes (laughs) but as you are driving towards the mountain it becomes less and less so it gets greener and greener yeah but the walls get higher exactly and so but i think it is important that we we don't i think put the blinkers on or the blinders on we need to really see it and grapple with it Mm -hmm. um particularly now where our ward (laughs) councillors are in this policy of you know cleaning our cities and also what does that say about the human beings that are on the streets or living in impoverished circumstances or in highly vulnerable circumstances Mm -hmm. They're not rubbish. You don't clean up humans. No. Like that languaging has always, always distressed me. It's these are human beings. But I think it starts with language, right? We've oh, always totally. said in all of our podcasts. Makes our reality. Yeah. They are power of words. And so how we view people and how we describe people and and the problem, <laughs> you know, makes makes kind of our decision making and the solution and so I mean I read uh, an article um, well it wasn't an article but it was a Facebook post of other homeless organizations Mm -hmm. community run organizations going the city and most people are aware of the big homeless organizations but we're not funding the little organizations so for example they were giving stats of you know we probably have what twenty thousand homeless people within city of cape town so let's look at that but we know the big organizations can only deal with maybe five thousand so why are we not sharing our resources with the other organizations that are doing the work and these are the things that i think as um you know just as civil society Mm. and as individuals this is what we need to keep our ear on the ground what is the policy for um homelessness and unemployment how are we making sure that our communities are secure and obviously that is a big concern but at the same time that we're giving dignity and respect to the people that we're working with which is so important and we never go to the root issues exactly and I think, I mean, the same is true. We're talking about homelessness specifically, but if we think mm. about the poverty factors, like you cannot drive 10 kilometers in any direction in any of our major urban cities in South Africa without reaching an impoverished community. Exactly. It's impossible. You yeah. can't. And I think one of the biggest fall downs is often our concept of neighbor is the person who lives next door mm. rather than my neighboring community. 
Mm. And so how do I partner? And I'm thinking specifically of people we know in Mannenberg, for example, that are still running feeding kitchens that are still, and they feed as many people as they've got food to feed. Yeah. So they can't guarantee numbers because it's donation based and whatever comes out of the veggie garden mm. that they have to pay for those vegetables because they sell them to themselves as well as to everybody else, despite being the, the planters of the vegetables. Yeah. That sounded very complicated, <laughs> that sentence. I hope they, they grow the veggies, but grow them into the community. They're the gardeners, the, the gardeners, farmers. The farmers, <laughs> as well as the business yeah. owners. You have to buy their own product. Exactly. And so I'm like, how do we start asking those questions and what does that look like? Mm. And I think that until, I mean, you started off saying, how do we love our neighbors? That was a conversation we keep mm. having at the moment. Until we start getting a bigger understanding of what does it mean? Who is my neighbor? Mm. I feel like I'm going into church mode here, <laughs> but who is my neighbor? Yeah, that's Until important. we start redefining who my neighbor is, it's really hard to want to build a relationship with them. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I've got people that come to my door that I've known for two years now. So I've watched their children grow and, and these people, they skateboard to my house. They don't walk to my house, they mm. skate. And I know when they come, they don't always come for food. And I think mm. that's also, they don't always need something. Sometimes it's just to have a chat. Yeah. I mean, I sat two weeks ago, three weeks ago on the pavement with a mom who was just in tears. She was just mm. like, I've had it, Alex. I can't mm. feed anyone. I'm mm. hungry. I'm tired. I've got to get a kid into grade eight. She's supposed to have like eight glue sticks. <laughs> like, are they? Why eight that. glue sticks? One of my I friends. I buy my son who's in grade one five. I'm like, what are you going to do with five glue sticks? Well, for the whole year, I don't also <laughs> understand. But also, also in one go in January of all months, mm. people have could find this. And we just sat and we had a good weep mm. because actually I was like, you know, I believe in my house. There's always enough to share, mm. so I will share with you what I can. Mm. But but sometimes. <laughs> what that is is half a loaf of bread yeah. or a can of baked beans or sometimes it's just sitting on the pavement and having a cup of tea with you because there's yeah. dignity in that Yes. and also these people when we've had financial stress are aware of it mm. so they walk away just feeling seen and heard mm. which as much as we're feeling stomachs we also need to feed people's mm. hearts and see them as but I, I, I do think it, it definitely is a relational thing and, and also understanding why people are homeless not all homeless people are going to go to rehabilitation and change their life around and I and, I, and I say that because it's a personal story of mine my uncle who's my mom's brother was homeless he lived on the street and he died on the street and for many many years and that was his um, choice and that was his choice and we you know we have access to resources and we put him in rehabs and all that stuff but his choice was to live on the street which was heartbreaking for us as a family you know who mm-hmm. is educated and we, and we like to think of ourselves as we we're doing well um but at the end of the day i always knew because my grandmother lived with us and he would always knock on the door every friday to come visit my grandmother and just chat um and talk and we'd obviously feed him and and do that all the stuff that you do to take care of him um and he sometimes came to visit his family and then he went back to where he yes, felt in charge exactly and and the thing is we then also particularly at the end of his life mm-hmm. um you know we knew we knew his friends and his friends knew us so when he got sick they came to tell us and so that's where we could actually give him a room and that's you know he died at home but it was thanks to his friends who were also looking out for him who could tell us actually hey Winston isn't doing so well um he needs a place and that's what we did which is community um, and yes. relationship which keeps coming back to exactly. that and I think the other part of it is often we see cohorts of homeless people but mm. there's people who don't have enough money to go to work and come back especially mm. with the crazy petrol price mm. increase mm. and 
I remember where I lived in Joburg, there was, in Randburg, for those of you that don't know Joburg, on the corner was a, a community of guys. And for some of them, they were only there during the week because on the weekends, they went back to where the rest of their families were. They just couldn't pay the transport to get mm. to work during the week. So mm. they slept outside during the week. So yeah. they weren't, so they didn't get stuck, basically. Yeah. So this is a fun fact here. Back in another part of my life, I actually did research for World Bank around African mobility. And part of that was helping the My City being launched. Yes. Um, so yes, I've had a, a crazy <laughs> career. Um, and so doing that research, what we found back then, and that was in, sure, when was that? 2011. Um, I what? love when Danny drops in dates like that. Yes. Like it's a century ago. Because it makes us it does people feel. in terms of years Listen, and when age. You become a mother years go by and you're like when when did that happen but yeah so then the research showed that 22 percent of your income is spent on traveling to work and we know that that has increased um so your story of explaining exactly what happened makes complete sense that people cannot spend i would think now with inflation about 30 percent of their income on just traveling no. to and from work and particularly in south africa if we think of apartheid and how they structured and the distance to get to exactly. where your work is is craziness exactly never mind school and so even kids that are non-fee paying schools if we look at what their parents are still needing to get together mm. that roll that dream of paper yes. the eight glue sticks yes. the instrument box from checkers mm. whatever it is that all costs money and if you have to choose between like school shoes and that school shoes are not going to win mm. and so i know there was a lot of conversation around that at the beginning of the year yeah but i think it's loving my neighbor means recognizing what I love what Wilhelm Fubert says here. He says responsibility can be broken into two words. It's what is within our ability to respond. But within my ability to respond as my responsibility as a South African citizen yeah. means being willing to open my eyes. It means that when someone walks up to me at the traffic light, I don't have to give them something, but also don't have to ignore them. Yes. I, I think that is so important. I always tell everyone, look people Acknowledge. In. Yes. Acknowledge who they are and validate who they are because that makes a world of difference just because i think the other problem in identifying who is my neighbor is that we so easy cannot see people mm. i mean you, you, there's all those social experiments where like what is the name of the person who's your housekeeper what is the mm. name of the person's groundman where you work mm. where your kids go to school who are those people do we know their names mm. and i think even more so for people standing at traffic lights or men on the side of the road which are just increasing and increasing and they're not gangs standing it's men looking for work yeah you know, in some of our areas, it's not men looking for work. They have works in the alternative economy, as we've yes. labeled it. But but the reality is they go home at the end of the day with or without something. Mm. And so how do we lend dignity to that? Mm. And I remember when my oldest, he's now six, he was three or four, asking me the question on the way to play school, mm. like, Mama, why are these men always here? And I was mm. like, because actually they don't have work. They're waiting for work. So we committed to praying for that. But also when they opened or stopped at the traffic lights and we said something, like he was like, we will pray, but we, and it was starting to get him to see people. And when we did have, what is it that we can share? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and so what is it that we can share? And I think that's different, but again, it's not going to solve the problem of inequality. No. And I think that's the other part of it is just because we can't fix something doesn't mean we don't not do, do something. Exactly. So it's not all or nothing. Exactly. And but I think if everyone looks just in their sphere of influence we can do something exactly. so your neighborhood watch <laughs> even if you just voice something in terms of actually i don't like the way that we describe homeless people in our yeah. area um how are we um 
identifying people that we think is suspicious because that's a tricky one as well and then thirdly it's looking at our ward councillors looking at who we're voting for and going what is the policy because putting them outside of the community does create more crime I'm just putting it out there because if we're going to do this whole thing that only certain people can come into certain areas what does that mean how are we mm-hmm. communicating then definitely we are going to get more and more angry people and what happened in durban and Gauteng with the looting at the end of last year is going to happen again and that's not justifying what happened but it's understanding what were some of the driving factors exactly of what happened. exactly and i think that's that's the other thing is just because you understand something doesn't mean mm. that you said it was right mm. or wrong it's just let's understand what the driving factors are yeah and, and again in our communities, the more you know who you're... I mean, we've got a guy where we live who is mentally not well. Mm. We've got a crack in our kitchen window because he went through a stage. He's off his meds and he was throwing rocks. Is that safe? No. Is that ideal? No. Mm. But actually, I know him and he knows me and we greet each other. Mm. And I've never felt threatened by him. In fact, the other day when I went for a walk, I was like, oh, he's moved where he sleeps. Yeah. And and I look at that and I'm like, when he's around, we just keep an eye on him because we know who he is. Mm. But we also know the guy living up the road who... He has a party in his head on another universe every day. My heart aches. These are mental health patients. And if we know they are, and we know what they're about, there's a level of increased felt safety that also comes. Yeah. Which makes it easier for me to love my neighbor mm-hmm. and to explain to my children with compassion that that person's really not well. Mm-hmm. They tend to stay in the same area. And so you will move them out. When I worked with street children, they were often picked up, relocated out of the space. Mm-hmm. And within three weeks, they'd be back because they identified the space as home. Yeah. Also, this is where they scuttle, in brackets, make their money. Whether we like it or not, that's, that's what they identify as home. And they get to know people. Yeah. These are the same kids that people were accusing of a bunch of stuff but mm. said to me the one day that guy wants to steal your phone Alexis I hide it away and walk in the middle of us or your money's sticking out you mm. must be careful you're not always careful enough mm. why because we had relationship but then I, I also think practically right so again how do we because not everyone has the financials to mm. give to every organization no. and we know we have what over 200,000 NGOs yeah. in this country and all of our NGOs currently are struggling um you know unless you're a very old established organization it's very very difficult to get funding and and so it's again i think as i always say it's looking at your sphere of influence and going what can i share and what can i do so what is my ability that i can respond what is within my ability to respond to it yeah. comes back to that responsibility then. so then taking it as parents alexa how do we because i know both of our children have asked these questions mm-hmm. you know why don't everyone have a car i know that was my eldest son's for a very long time yeah. was his biggest concern that why does everyone have to get on a bus that's so crowded and taxis and waiting um and and so explaining that and explaining the inequalities of our country to our kids so that they can get a social yeah. conscious and what because i think once we've explained it to our kids our kids also want to know what they can do and i know you've mm-hmm. had this conversation recently with a young person maybe share with our listeners what did you do in that instance so i've got I, I just want to say I have an amazing group of friends around me as well who are wrestling with this as parents and what do they do with this and so one of the things is that we run a group on a Thursday afternoon in an area that has high level of poverty and so my I've got quite direct <laughs> in terms of well, not got I think I've always been but I've got more direct <laughs> is how would you be interested in making sandwiches as part of this child this particular eight-year-old is homeschooled so how what can you do and so this family has chosen for the 
six weeks that we're running this group every week to come up with sandwiches that have got protein in them, that have got treats in them, that have got carbs in them, and have got some nutritional fruit or vegetable or whatever in them. And so that's what we've done. And while they're doing that, they are talking about food security and food insecurity and what that means. And it was the most beautiful thing to be able to say to this eight-year-old, and I'm going to keep saying this eight-year-old, this wasn't a teenager, it was an eight-year-old. You know, when I spoke to the people about what was in the lunch packs that you made, because she did all the sandwiches, so they weren't nicely, neatly cut and <laughs> perfect, but they were made with love. Yeah. Like with heart. I said, people, when I asked them were they happy with it, did they feel like this mattered and you know what feedback I needed to give to the the producer of these lunch packs would they like them again they went this is awesome and it's wonderful mm. and so I said to this little girl I said you know people actually felt really important and loved that someone took the time to do this mm. and not just give them a peanut butter sandwich because not everyone likes peanut butter yeah so you know not everyone likes bottle not everyone likes the things that we think they should have and be grateful for and they're allowed to say no thank you I don't eat peanut butter because we do that yes and it's not because we're not desperate it's because we do that because we're human and her mom overheard me saying this to her and she said, no, Alexa, now that you've told her how loved they felt, you know that she's going to work harder to figure out how she can put love into those brown bags. And also they were nicely put together. It wasn't like we're putting this into a checkers package and sending it out the door. It was beautifully packed. And I think that is how a social contracting can start. So who is around you? Who do you know that is in a space? that you can say, how can I partner with you? And it's simple. It doesn't have to be forever. It can be a six-week thing. It's pebbles. We're dropping yes. pebbles all along the way. When we drive past communities where roads are so narrow that people's garbage trucks are not getting in and there's litter everywhere, we've had to have the conversation about, you know, the guys that come and fetch our garbage and take away our, because the rubbish truck is a favorite in our house always, mm -hmm. I think for most small children. Amazing, amazing people who, you know, they knock on the door when we forget to put the one out. Yes, yeah. And yet I know a lot of them live in the communities where the truck can't get down their street. Yeah. And so we've had that conversation about how do you think that is? Do you think that's fair? And to, we want a new social mm. contract as a country. As parents, we need to look at what is stopping mm. me from having this conversation. Mm. Mm. And we want to bring up a new generation that is not happy with the status quo and wants to make a change mm. but with dignity and respect always and i think what alexa what you shared i think is so so important when we're making those sandwiches is actually asking people do you actually want peanut butter and jam sandwiches that's something that we do with our group on family mm. forum on a monday we actually sometimes don't make pre cut yeah. sandwiches we actually have a few things so They've we might have options. peanut butter jam and maybe some cheese if we're lucky for donations mm -hmm. and we can offer that which i think again gives people back the power of choice which poverty robs us of poverty takes away choice exactly on all levels exactly and so and that is something that we can explain um to our kids i mean just quickly before we <laughs> sign off for this podcast one of the wonderful um exercises we did with 10 year old boys at a school at the end of last mm. year was explaining racial inequality but mm. at the same time explaining just economic inequality was playing a game where and certain, it was fun and it was fun but it wasn't so, fair but it wasn't fair and so certain kids got certain resources in order to win the big prize and the kids were so so upset particularly with me because i ran the game um and but they got it when i explained to go this is what our country is like. Some people, some of our kids don't get the choice to have their own room, to have their own bed, to have a sandwich for the afternoon. Sometimes our kids only get breakfast and dinner um, and that is not fair. And I remember one of the kids going, 
But what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Very emphatically. And that really stayed with me to go, that kid, that boy is going to think about it and go and chat with his parents, I know. And hopefully they come up with their own plan of what they're going to do about it. And that's what we want to leave with you today. Because the winner is also the choice to share their prize. Yes. They could choose to share or choose to not share. Yeah. Which is part of the power of choice. Yes. And that's what we really want to to tell our kids you know and and help our kids figure that out how do we share our power in this country such big questions <laughs> very big questions but such good questions and, and yeah. yeah and i i think again as parents we need to always role model that mm. we can't expect our kids to understand things without us role modeling and i know alexa and i we have the privilege of doing amazing work and our kids see it every day and they understand why we and do they it come with sometimes yeah they do and so all we can do is encourage you as we love our neighbors in a country that has mass inequality is how are we role modeling to our kids of how we sharing our power so with that being said i want to say thank you for listening to us um yeah listen to our next podcast next month where we're going to dig deeper of how we can share our power how we can make a difference and how we can continue strengthening families no matter how those families are formed thank you until next month